Welcome back to Sports 56 Mornings. This hour brought to you by Acura of Memphis. It's time now for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. Here are your hosts, Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Harold Grader. Uh, it's here, baby. One more day. Tomorrow afternoon, it's the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. Iowa State from the Big 12, Memphis. The hometown Tigers taking on the Cyclones. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you here on Sports 56 Mornings. Harold is extremely busy today, so no HG. But we do have Phil Stukenborg, who is joining us here in studio. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. If you're getting set to begin your Thursday, you're going out to the parade today at 2 o'clock. Uh, bring a couple of layers. 41 degrees right now, cloudy skies. The high will only get to about 43, so we're just about there. Tonight, a low of 32, a few clouds, and then tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high of 42 for the actual game day. Phil Stukenborg, longtime commercial appeal sports writer. He was the Memphis football beat writer for years and years, assistant sports editor among many, many different hats that he has worn. You can follow him on Twitter at Phil underscore Stukenborg. Hey, Stukes. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. How many AutoZone or Liberty Bowl games have you covered? You know, uh, not as many years as I covered Tiger football, but... <laughs> Oh, gosh, I would say 20, 20 or so. Because you would be with the Tigers wherever they played a bowl game, but they hadn't played a bowl game for a long time until, obviously, New Orleans. Right, so I, I was always available to do that. Which was, <laughs> <laughs> which is why you covered so many. So, yeah, so I covered so many. But, you know, it was fun. You know, I think I told you earlier, but I think the first game I covered was 87. Georgia played Arkansas. So so from that, you know, from that moment on until, you know, probably for the next 15 years or so, before Memphis started going to a bowl game. So they, so at that point, of course, they weren't in the same conference. So Georgia right, versus Arkansas. Right. A matchup we will not get it again. <laughs> you, no. You know, it's a nice little thing to have if you're Memphis, knowing that the AutoZone Liberty Bowl has contracts with the SEC and the Big 12, but they got this secondary contract with the American. And you know if it comes down to it, and they have to go into that secondary contract, it's going to be Memphis. And now the second time since 2017, ironically, both against the Iowa State Cyclones. You know, it's great. If you you know, if you know look back through the years, Steve Earhart had tried, uh, the Liberty Bowl executive, uh, had tried for years to get Memphis in the game. <laughs> and they had set up the conference, like the Conference USA champion, to play uh, in the game, and that happened for years. But Memphis never was able to win it during that stretch. You know? They never qualified. Yeah, it was always qualified. Yeah, they had, for a long time, they had the champion versus champion. That's yeah, right. Matchup, that's right. And they Which would was... go, because they would go present. You know, they could go to the championship game, and then when the team won, then they presented them like basically the invitation, all that stuff. But yeah, they tried, and it was like, well, Memphis doesn't <laughs> ever win the conference, so no. this is we're striking out here. Let's go a different route. Yeah, we have uh, we have a poster here with some of those uh, great coaches and players that have played. And you look at the history mm-hmm. as as you you have done. I mean, it's it's hard to top. First of all, it's one of the oldest bowls. Period. Um, but my gosh, the players and the coaches that have played in this particular game. You know, to think the and, and one thing I mentioned in the story that came out earlier this week was in back to back years you had. Uh, Doug Flutie and Bo Jackson in your game. Now, they, they were a year from winning their Heisman trophies. Right. But back to back Heisman trophy winners wow. in the game, I mean, of 
that's that's an amazing run. Funny story with Doug Flutie. Um, that year, the team hotel for Boston College caught fire like a couple of nights before the game. So they had to evacuate everybody. And uh, a lot of people said you could hear as people were being evacuated, they were yelling, women, children, and Doug Flutie first. <laughs> <laughs> Which hotel was it? Yeah. No, I don't Is remember. Still in existence? I, it was probably. I think it was like at that point. It was like a, a Holiday Inn Midtown or something. There oh, okay. was something, something in the Midtown area. Yeah, yeah. Those two, uh, they were both MVP of the game. No surprise. And both Doug Flutie and Bo Jackson. Uh, no surprise that they would be MVP of the game. But yeah, I mean, you got when you just throw a couple of Heisman Trophy winners in your history. Obviously, you go to the Bear Bryant. Yes. tied to history, his final game. I mean, there certainly is a lot of historic stuff when it comes to this. Yeah, Bear Bryant was at the, in the first game. Uh, and, you know, back then the bowl games were, people weren't quite sure of a, and the Liberty Bowl just started in the late 50s in Philly. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories was that he they were getting no traction, like as far as news coverage or media coverage before the game. So what he did was, you know, they, had, they opened a practice up to the media and he set up chairs like, like, like where the offense would be and the defense was going against just some chairs that were set up in formation. And later they asked Baird, like, what was that all about? He goes, not a thing, just to get you guys out here to write about it. <laughs> so <laughs> he was saying he was having them sit in them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, media, come sit in these yeah. chairs. <laughs> so the first Liberty Bowl game, which was obviously in Philly. Yes. Bear coached in that one? Is that what you I said? Think, I think that was one of his first years. You can double check me on that. It was one of the early games that he was in. And then, of course, his last was in 84? 82. 82. 82 was his and last And then it mm-hmm. just, it's crazy. When I, when I came down here and then started looking into the history, started covering the bowl games for television, and, and I heard the story that, you know, Bears' last game, he coached in this game, and then one month later he died. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, 1959 it was Alabama-Penn State. Yeah. Wow, yeah, so, first, first so the one. first one, and then in 82... was the last game for, for Bear? One month later, that was a uh, That was quite an exciting affair back in 1959 with a 7-0 win for Penn yeah. State. <laughs> there, was also the, there was also the run of like four straight years, it was Air Force, right? Yes, you were, yes. Before I got here, what was that whole thing with the commanders-in-chief and like yeah. got involved with the armed services? Uh, Bud Dudley, very patriotic i mean which is why he got the the bowl started he had served and he really that was a, a goal of his you know to somehow reward those so the commanders in chief trophy goes to the winner of the three academies right that play the round robin each year and it just so happened that each of those four years air force was the winner and people kind of got you know like tired of of air force being in the game uh air force ad at the time joked that hey i know People aren't too excited about this matchup locally, but we've had two of the biggest crowds in the history. <laughs> but <laughs> but that was because they played Ole Miss in Mississippi State. Right, right. So so they brought big crowds. Yeah, those two. Um, and they but the thing and they two of the years they they beat Ohio State. Yes, and they beat Mississippi State. Yeah, Ohio State. They were in a situation that year where Ohio State Michigan game winner to the Rose Bowl, and then the loser went to the Liberty Bowl. So they weren't too excited about being here. No, I would imagine. <laughs> we, so, yeah, that was tough. We had a, a great game last year, and it seems like we have a lot of great matchups. The 2017 Iowa State-Memphis matchup was great that came down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Is there one that is considered the best? You know, you always hear the Alabama game just because of the significance of Bear Bryant's last game. You know, but I mean, how did that game go? What was the result of that game? Uh, Alabama beat Illinois, I think, like 21-15, somewhere in there. Is that right? 
Elon, I think it's in that in that range. Uh, it was twenty. What twenty? What'd you say? Twenty-one fifteen. Yeah, twenty-one fifteen. So, so it was it was a good game. But last year, again, I, I mean, that was an amazing game and became yeah. one of those instant classics that you can't turn off when you see it a few days later. Yeah, as far as just pure game, like last yeah. year, you can't beat like <laughs> that was no. It was it, it was insanity. It was like, insanity. It just kept going and going and going <laughs> and like every play, like, you're like, what is happening now? Uh, you can't be. Uh, you can't find a a better if you just want pure excitement. You don't yeah. care about anything. You're just watching a game to watch a game. You can't beat that. And I, and no. I and I understand when when they kick it off and the guys get between the lines. Man, they're they're only focused on playing well and winning a game. So we know that those players and, the, and those coaches are certainly bought in. Yeah. Now all the shenanigans that's going on now in college football with all the opt outs, and I'm not talking about a couple of guys getting ready for the NFL. I'm talking about a ton because of the portal. It's changed things, and, and I think it's to me it's kind of made these things a little bit less significant. But again, I might be biased. I brought this up yesterday, and I told you during the break. It seems to me that this bowl game always has teams that care to be there. Now, I don't know why I say that. I didn't speak to anybody or haven't spoken to anybody yet from Iowa State. I know about Memphis obviously covering them, but it just feels like there's two teams that really care about playing in this game. Am I crazy? It always seems like it's a decent matchup. Well, I think it really does when when you have Memphis involved in this situation. Now, I don't know about an SEC team that may have been close either way, but you're, you're usually getting a team maybe that's rebounding, you know, whether it be in you know, like back in the day, maybe in Ole Miss or Mississippi State, coming back from maybe a tough run, so they're happy to be here. Right. So I think somehow that's kind of worked out for a lot of these games. Yeah, that's a good point, because I know they were looking at, if they were going to get an SEC team, they were looking at Auburn. I don't know in this situation if it would be an excitement because Auburn with a new coach with Hugh Freeze, his connections, and kind of the, the turnaround, they're on the comeback trail. I think that's a lot different than a team that, is disappointed that they didn't win nine or ten and only won seven and went to that bowl game. But that's a moot point, obviously, because the SEC, as it normally does, if there is one short, it seems like the AutoZone Liberty Bowl doesn't get that team. But I don't think Steve and Harold and the gang are are concerned one bit this year because they were able to back into Memphis. Yeah. And had it been Auburn, you had a a great storyline for – for TV, for for local media coverage right. with, with Auburn, so I think that would have that would have been good too. Is that what's important? The storylines. It helps. I mean, I'm sure TV has something to really uh, hype and talk about. I think that's that's a big deal. Uh, last year, like we were talking earlier, they spent so much time talking about the people that were not playing in the game, you <laughs> yeah. know, because <laughs> it was so many opt outs, and you know, Memphis is dealing with a few, but not as many as Arkansas. Yeah, it did last right, year. Right. Well, and then generally, uh, when you're when you get SEC teams, again, are a little from where they started the year, what their expectations were, and but they have a lot more players who are obviously going to be going pro. Like, so that's true. So you got more opportunity for opt outs and things like that from mm-hmm. those types of guys yeah. because either going pro or transfer portal or whatever. Those guys are their their roster is full of guys who are potential transfers or professional guys. Yeah, unless they ever get to that point where the, uh, the whatever NIL contract you draw up has to include. Oh, yeah. You, you get paid once, once the bowl season. Well, yeah, you and, have to play in the bowl game. And I know last year they there was, I can't remember what exactly how the Liberty Bowl, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, sorry, Harold, 
did it, but they <laughs> kids got some money. The kids that played, there was some money that was evenly divided. And I can't remember how they did that. Yeah, exactly I, how it worked. But to be good, that's all. If you want to avoid the opt outs, you're gonna to have to come up with some mm-hmm. financial reward for playing in the game. That's how you get rid of the opt outs. If if you can figure out a way, nil or otherwise, that there's a financial and it's gonna to have to probably be a pretty decent one to playing in the game. That's how you get kids to play it. Yeah, yeah. Back in '74, I was 13 years old. I had no idea that I would eventually go to the University of Maryland. I had no idea that Maryland even played in the Liberty Bowl game. So, what was significant about that one? This was you were talking about exciting games earlier. I think this one, uh, Tennessee trailed uh, three to nothing most of the game, and they score in the fourth quarter and win seven to three after a turnover by Maryland. But that game, you remember, you know your great Maryland players, Randy White. Randy White. He was the MVP, was even, the MVP the, even though they even, lost. Even though they lost, he's the MVP, and he had a great game, including including uh, one game in which he basically knocked. The tight end for Tennessee, <laughs> he just knocked his lights out. And that tight end was Tommy West. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, Tommy's told <laughs> us that. You remember story. the story? Yes, Tommy has said that story before. So, so then you know that Tommy got up, walked off the field, and sat down on the bench. Eli, and the player comes up and says, "Hey, you all right?" He goes, "Yeah, I'm fine." He goes, "Well, your bench is on the other side of the field." <laughs> <laughs> You've heard that. <laughs> yep, Tommy told us that story. Uh, that's who, funny. Who was the who was the Tennessee quarterback in '74? Uh, Randy Wallace? Is that right? I think that was right. Was that was that post Holloway? Conridge was. Or, I think Holloway. I think Conridge was knocked out in the game too. Oh, was he, he really? He was, he was the quarterback that day. Um, in fact, Tommy, I think because of that, Tommy West got back at Randy White during the game and cheap shot at him in the game. And one <laughs> no, of his, not Tommy. T- one of his teammates come up and said, "Look, when we when the game ends and we go to shake hands, you get off the field." <laughs> yeah, I would not have been messing with Randy White. <laughs> that is not one. That's not one that I want to be messing with at all. What other players? I mean, I'm I'm trying to look. I mean, Archie's played in this. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Bo Jackson. You know, some of the great players that have played in this game. Wow. I mean, uh, you've had some. You've obviously had some some great quarterbacks through the years. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the, uh, you know, you had the year like Louisville played Boise. I think you had two, I, you had I two remember top, that one. top ten teams. And that was an incredible. That was a great. That game. was that was that was another great game. Just just yeah, fun back and forth, lots of scoring. That was a great game. So I think you find that there, you, you get some great team situations like that, like last year's game with players that are very good in college. But I, I don't know. And I think I wrote in the story, you probably won't get the Heisman Trophy winners in this game much more going ahead. Right. Uh, right. It's, just, it's just not going to lend itself, especially with a, a 12-team playoff and uh, usually the best players leading their teams into the playoff. I remember one game, um, and I wasn't covering it. I went in the stands with my wife, and God, God, God bless her, um, she hung in there for a half. It was the coldest... <laughs> Game I think I've ever been to, except for one that I covered when I started in television as smaller schools were playing. But it was the Arkansas game. And Arkansas, I, East Carolina. Okay, what year was that? 2010. Where I, what, where does that compare as far as cold? Like, do you, you know which one is like, considered Ooh. the coldest? I know tomorrow's going to be nippy, no. but it's going to be nothing like that Arkansas game. I was, we were freezing. We were all bundled in the stands, you know, on those metal mm-hmm. seats together for our body heat like all the people in the section to try to stay warm it was so cold i want to think the boston college and notre dame 
Yeah, I think and I've heard that that was there was like ice on the bleachers. It had been it had been so cold, and and I think there were somebody said there were there were little fires set. <laughs> there were set fires in the stands just to keep warm. Hey, sometimes self preservation. <laughs> sometimes you just got to do. It's you know it's on a, a sad note, but I was just looking down MVPs and just because of with the last year, but. Ryan Mallett was the MVP of that Arkansas East Carolina oh, game. Oh, gosh. And then you had Alex Collins in 2016 MVP for Arkansas Kansas State. So Both passed away in the last year, lost right? Lost in the last year, but mm-hmm. two Arkansas MVPs of the game. Here's one. Do you know who the MVP of the game was, the, the Memphis-Iowa State matchup? Oh, gosh. You know what? I was with the University of Memphis at the time, and and the basketball team was playing in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, so you were, so, you were, you were no, in Cincinnati. Yeah. 21-20, right, was the final? Yes. Yes. Who, for Iowa State, it had to be Iowa State. He's currently in the NFL. Oh, I know. It's Purdy. No. no. He's currently uh, in the NFL. Uh, NFL receiver. NFL receiver. I'm drawing a blank. Who? Alan Lazard. Oh, Alan Lazard. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Alan Lazard, yeah. No, it couldn't have been Purdy. It was before he'd even gotten there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the... We, I, I mentioned in passing there about the SEC and the contract, and it seems like when they're one short, the SEC does not provide a team for the Autos and Liberty Bowl game. And we've talked about this. Eli and I have talked about this on the show. We've talked about it with Harold. That the stadium, even though great sight lines, and, and we still like it a lot to watch a game at, it's, it's archaic. But those changes are coming. Knock on wood, council. Knock on wood, everybody. Um, what do you think that will do for the future of this game as far as you know situations like that in the future where the SEC goes, well, it's it may not be an NFL stadium, but look at that. Look how nice it looks. It's modernized that, yeah, we'll give you that SEC team. You know, that's something that's not talked about much, you know, about what that impact will, will be down the road. But if you have an, uh, an SEC that wants to play in this game uh, and you – and you have, you know, obviously the market wants an SEC team, and you show them that stadium. You know, we talked about what it'll mean for Memphis and what it will mean, uh, you know, for the uh, Southern Heritage Classic. But to keep the SEC interested in being part of this, yeah, that's got to be a, a great, a great part of the whole thing. Well, and that's the thing because, again, part of the whole deal of how they get teams is the teams pick the bowls they want. You give them the list of here's where we want to go. Yeah, and if you give them, yeah, if the if the stadium's a lot better. Now again. You're going to be competing with NFL stadiums, and you're going to be competing with. I mean, Nashville is going to be getting a Taj Mahal, <laughs> right? <laughs> compared right. to plus you know, indoor the, in the, the winter, renovation. Right? That's the thing. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you, it's you're dealing with a lot of either indoor or nice weather mm-hmm. bowl games. That you know, mm-hmm. you're. It's still, it's still a battle. It's not. It still doesn't mean like okay. Now they're all going to go. Okay, we want to go to that stadium. You're still going to be down on the rungs of stadiums that you're dealing with, but at least it's better. It's an improvement. Yeah, you're staying competitive. I think, and that's what that's what you want to do, uh, especially with the the latest round of SEC expansion. I mean, now you throw those teams into the mix too that you could possibly get. So yeah, you want to stay competitive. One of the things that I think uh, has helped the Liberty Bowl stand out a lot with uh, peer bowl games is all the events that coincide with the game, mm-hmm. and even though. A few have gone away since since COVID. It's still pretty amazing when you think of all the things that they do. And I'm sure some other bowl games have those as well. But it's just day after day 
event after event. And that's always been a big part of why it's had so much success. You know, when I was with Memphis, you, you know, you went to the bowls that were a little bit lower on the rung. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty much just the game and maybe a luncheon uh, or maybe some kind of bowling outing or something. But these, uh, to have these events uh, at this level, I mean, that does add a lot to the experience for the players. And and I, I just know that being with Memphis, it was, it was uh, whether it was New Orleans Bowl or uh, when they played in Mobile, mm-hmm. with there not being a whole lot around the game, you know, it was okay. It was okay. It was practices and uh, the the Miami Beach Bowl uh, mm-hmm. that was. I mean, the weather sold. That's that's your that's <laughs> yes. your event. Yes. That's when Eli started a fight yeah. down there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I did not start a fight. <laughs> No, but it, you're right. Like, like for example, today they got the parade, yeah. which is great for everybody. I know it's a little cold out there tonight. They have the gala, gala. for those who have elected to go to the gala. You know, yes. they've had outings for those teams uh, every single day since they arrived. They so. go to the National Civil Rights Museum. Exactly. They'll go. I don't know if they still go to Graceland. Way back when, they may have gone there a few times. They have some event at the Agri Center. I mean, so yeah, there were things. Well, one of the teams is staying at. Uh, isn't uh, is Iowa State staying at the guest house at Graceland? They may be because Memphis is staying at the Sheridan, right downtown. Yeah, um, I don't know. You may be right about that. I think they're staying at the guest yeah. The mm-hmm. uh, I guess the headquarters is at the DoubleTree because that's where they're having a lot of the uh, the press conferences. Um, all right. So do you you um, have a, have a thought? I mean, I'm sure you've had a chance to watch the Tigers this year, mm-hmm. having their quarterback back, having most of their players back for this game. Only a few opt outs. I don't know a ton about Iowa State. I'll be honest with you. I know they yeah. got a really good running back and a good young quarterback. Uh, what does it mean? First of all, do you think Memphis can win this game? And second of all, what does it mean if they do win? A ten-win season is always is always nice. Uh, maybe further proof that all the games they played uh, this year, uh, they, were, they learned how to win close games. I think that was that was big. If you're in that position again, I mean, right? As opposed to last year, yeah. As opposed to last year, yeah. So I think that's interesting. You'll have. Hennigan back is good. Rock Taylor back. Having him, I mean, here, not having opted out. Uh, the line is in favor of Iowa State by mm-hmm. what, eight points or so because of, I think, the losses on the offensive line. You know, Memphis has had a couple of those uh, players opt out. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it's obviously a much more physical team. That's the, the concern because mm-hmm. this is a Iowa State year in year out really right. good defense, right? Yeah. And they are you know without that offensive line, without those offensive linemen, that's the I think the scary part if you're mm-hmm. a Memphis fan of can you block them up front? And their secondary is really really good. I think they've got three all Big Twelve guys in the secondary, so it's going to be um, it, that's going to be tough. It's the Iowa State band. That is at the guest house at Graceland. Okay, nice place to stay for yeah. the band. Yeah, not bad for the band. But 2017, they were able to go down to the wire against a Big 12 team, yeah. which is it, it's certainly important. Doesn't doesn't mean anything right now, as we know, as Memphis has been passed over um, during um, uh, times of uh, what's the word? Adding teams to the conference, realignment. Yes, but. Here's the thing. If if they play well, they win this game, again, it's a feather in their cap, beating a Big 12 team. You know, getting this opportunity mm-hmm. to play a Big 12 opponent, especially, as you said, this is a physical, smash-mouth, defensive-oriented team in Iowa State. And if you can go in there and pound for pound, 
physically stay with them mano a mano, I think that's a, that's a feather in their cap. So it's a challenge. I think it's fun that they get this opportunity. I know personally I was hoping to go to Fenway. <laughs> I know it's cold up there too, but who knows, you know, who knows when you'll get that opportunity again to play in a uh, or get that opportunity to play in a historic uh, stadium like Fenway. But I think um, I think tomorrow should be a lot of fun. So yeah. we'll see what happens again. They'll kick it off at uh, just after 2.30 today. If you uh, care to go down to Beale Street, 2 o'clock is the start of the parade. And then those who have purchased tickets tonight is the gala, a big event uh, happening again here in Memphis, and that is the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. The uh, I got a text from friends who said that the Notre Dame-Boston College game, yes, there were blocks of ice. Fans were setting fires. <laughs> but next year was Arkansas-Auburn, so it didn't even have to have a jacket. Yeah. It was, that's how it was. That's just, Memphis yeah. weather. It that's, is. That it is. December, just, yes. You never, you never quite know. It's all a, a, a coin toss of what you might get. And, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I, I can't imagine people setting <laughs> fires in the stands to try to stay warm. You know, I'm glad that was confirmed. I, I, I didn't know if I dreamt that. He is Phil Stukenborg, the longtime commercial appeal sports writer, assistant sports editor, and Memphis football writer. That's a bunch of Catholics writer. doing that. Well, yeah, I mean, that, I, can I resemble that. I, remark. I can understand the Arkansas. So does Phil. Like if it's Arkansas <laughs> setting fires, like I can understand those all those hunters and stuff like that. They come prepared. I can't believe it. The Catholics are setting fires. Well, yeah, it could have been the yeah, it could have been the Mephians in there though too. <laughs> Uh, you can follow Phil on Twitter at Phil underscore Stukenborg. Enjoy the game. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for coming in. No problem. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it, Phil. We'll take a break. Continue with the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour right here on Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Welcome back to Sports 56 Mornings. This hour brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Now, more of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. Here are your hosts, Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Harold Grader. Big thanks to Phil Stukenborg for joining us today. Harold, of course, is busy as a bee as he has got, obviously, responsibilities all over the place today. Final day before the big game tomorrow at 2.30 featuring Iowa State and Memphis. Florida State lost another player. That's 20 opt-outs because of injury or guys getting ready for the NFL. In this case, getting ready for the NFL. Keon Coleman, no surprise, is not going to play in their game against Georgia. Brock Glenn, the Lausanne product, who has been thrust into the starting lineup because of injuries, Travis's injury, and then the backup quarterback, um, Rodemaker, transferring, jumping into the portal. Brock Glenn will get the start. Said the Seminoles should absolutely be considered national champions if they end the season as the only undefeated Power 5 team in college football. He said the prospect of raising a banner has been discussed among players, and he said the Seminoles remain focused on finishing out an undefeated season in spite of a playoff snub and a host of bowl game opt-outs. I I don't see how they can win the Orange Bowl with all those players opted out with Georgia. Georgia hasn't lost a lot of players, a little bit surprising. 
But Brock Len, who started that game in the championship game and did not throw the ball that well, did not throw the ball that much, is going to have to step up and be huge to even have a possible chance of pulling off the upset against Georgia. Uh, While I can... You know, it's a little different than the whole UCF claiming a national championship thing. Like if they were to somehow win this game, they certainly have a a claim to a national championship. Yes, I would. Uh, I don't see them winning the game. Okay, I'm with you. Let's say they did. You said that they would probably have at least a, a claim. I, I would think that they would. How would how would voters see that in the AP poll? Obviously, there's a national championship game and a trophy that's handed out, and there's your champion. But in the polls, it could be a different story. Do you think they would actually get serious consideration or not? Uh, well, part of it, I, I mean, well, the, the coaches poll, I think. In the coaches poll, like, they absolutely have to vote or something. I can't remember. But One has to. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would be the coaches. The AP uh mm-hmm. Part of it would depend how the playoff went um, and who won that and how convincing all that stuff. But um, I could see some voters voting them first. I don't think they would finish first, but I think they, mm-hmm. if if they're allowed to, and I think they are in the EP, um, I could see them getting some first place votes just from some voters who want to give them that respect, who believe they were um, screwed mm-hmm. by the committee and... Um, and then if they were to beat Georgia without all these guys, I, I think they would just want to give them that respect. Did you see the video of Nick Saban and his family um, going down Main Street at Disneyland I in the not. vehicle? He's waving. It just looks so awkward with him. I don't know why. It just did. Today, bowl games, four of them. SMU, Boston College playing in the Fenway Bowl. That one will get underway in about uh, 25 minutes or so, SMU ranked tw- number 24. This will be their final football game as a representative of the American Conference as they will move on to the ACC. Rutgers will play Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium later today. North Carolina State and Kansas State, we talked about this earlier, the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Strawberry Frosted, is that what they're going with? Uh, frosted strawberry. Frosted strawberry. Get, get the name correct. Well, I don't eat that one, so that's your fault. I'm brown sugar cinnamon. Uh, and then Arizona and Oklahoma. That could be an interesting game. That'll be tonight in the Alamo Bowl. Arizona is ranked 14th. Oklahoma is ranked 12th. By the way, in that Kansas State NC State game, NC State ranked 18th, and Kansas State is ranked number 25. Uh, Friday. Aside from the Memphis-Iowa State game and the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, where Iowa State actually now is a 10.5-point favorite over Memphis. 10.5-point favorite. Clemson, Kentucky in the Gator Bowl. Clemson a four-point favorite. Oregon State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a a 6.5-point favorite in the Sun Bowl. And then the Cotton Bowl. Now, be a lot of eyes on this one. Ohio State, they lost their quarterback. He opted out. He's now at Syracuse. Playing Missouri. Missouri, one of the big surprises in 2023 at 10-2. Ohio State, a a 3.5-point favorite in the Cotton Bowl Classic. Speaking of Missouri, 
They lost their backup quarterback, Jake Garcia, as it was announced that he intends to enter the NCAA transfer portal. Got beaten out by Brady Cook, who had a sensational year. Garcia will be a redshirt junior, and he's expected to have three years of eligibility remaining. He was a former top 25 overall recruit in the ESPN recruiting rankings from 2021. He began his career at the University of Miami. So he is now uh, in the open market for his services. We talked about last night and the performance from Miller Moss at quarterback for USC. Caleb who? No, I'm kidding. Six touchdown passes as USC beat Louisville 42-28 to win the Holiday Bowl. The um, And again, and it, it means absolutely nothing, but I'm sure there are um, committee members and others who believe they did the right thing who will look at that and say, see, look, this is a quarterback who had never started a game who comes in and throws for six touchdowns against that Louisville team. So just beating Louisville but not being able to move the football doesn't show – again, we didn't believe Florida State did much in that game. Oh, beating, beating – yeah. It's it's not as much uh, credence on, on beating Louisville. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll connect the dots there. The one, again, that's going to be the one that drives me – Batty is the actual Orange Bowl game itself, unless we have this shocker of an upset. George is a 19-point favorite. A 19-point favorite now. Florida State has had over 20 opt-outs. The thing that makes me mad about that is I, I don't know why I didn't, because I can't remember what that line started at. I want to say George was only like minus. Eight? I, it was right around, I think it was around a touchdown. And I knew, you knew that Florida State guys, like all of the, the NFL guys were going to opt out. So now I didn't, I thought Rodemaker would play. Um, so that was the, you know, I wasn't ready to completely jump on Georgia at that time, mm-hmm. but knowing the other guys were going to opt out still should have just jumped all over Georgia immediately in that game. Yeah. Got 19 point favorite, but people will be going, yeah, look, we told you the Florida state. Yeah. I know. Don't, don't look at that game to try to make a point with Florida State and all the guys out. Now, Glenn, the third-string quarterback, having to go. but And Rodemaker, I'm assuming, if they were in the playoffs, would not have transferred at this point. I, I don't think so, no. Uh, Ole Miss and Penn State, we uh, previewed that game earlier, Saturday, Peach Bowl, 11 a.m. We will have that game for you, beginning with their two-hour pregame show that starts at 9 a.m. right here on Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Penn State, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Penn State, I know they're one of the most consistent programs in college football, period. But this year's Penn State team, while good, is not great. They had their opportunities. They lost both times against Michigan, against Ohio State. I don't think they have enough offense. I think their quarterback is average, and I think Ole Miss is riding a high right now. You're getting four and a half points with Ole Miss. I will be shocked if Ole Miss doesn't win that game. Well, last year Ole Miss was a giant dud in their bowl game, so they were. I'm sure there they are were. some uh, that is figuring into some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Music City Bowl also on Saturday. My Terps in Nashville taking on Auburn. Hugh Freeze's team, Auburn. Six and a half point favored, and Maryland's in trouble with uh, Tungabaloa opting out. And then somehow they squeeze the Arizona Bowl in there as well. Um, this busy 
bowl time here as we get closer to the bigger games. Toledo and Wyoming. Not really enthralled about that one, but Toledo at 11-2, and two, Wyoming at 8-4, and four, with Wyoming a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Then we got Monday, and we have the national semifinal games. Alabama-Michigan, 4 o'clock. Michigan, a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Tide. And then Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Texas, a four-point favorite over Washington. Three other games on Monday, including Tennessee and Iowa. We heard the news yesterday. Joe Milton has opted out. So Nico Suave, the assumption, will be the starting quarterback. Tennessee, a six-point favorite in that one over Iowa. If Tennessee gets a quick touchdown, it's over. Unless they throw a pick six. Unless they throw a pick six. Iowa's also been known to block a kick here and there for a touchdown. Maybe get a safety. Over under seven and a half for Iowa. Uh, actually, I will take the over. You're going to take the over? What do you think? Maybe 10 for Iowa? Maybe just a crazy offense again? Uh, yeah, I think they will. They'll go nuts? Yeah, I, I think they'll, there's a good chance they will get defensive points. There's a possibility. Whether it be a safety or a touchdown. But I, I think um, with the with a freshman quarterback making his first start, um, I could see Iowa at least getting a turnover that sets up points, you know, deep in their own, deep in Tennessee territory, something like that, where they don't have to move the ball to get points. Possibility. The um, interesting thing, Marvin Harrison Jr. is with Ohio State at the Cotton Bowl. But they're saying there's really they don't they still don't believe he's going to play. So I guess he's just he's he's going to take advantage of the bowl week. But apparently, the belief is still that he is not going to play. It's so strange. It has to be for the coaches in this day and age when you got guys that they're that are there. You don't know if they're going to play or not. So how do you game plan? And then you have the other situations where. There are guys that have actually entered the portal and are still going to participate for their team in bowl games. I talked to Ryan Silverfield about that. He said he wouldn't allow that to happen. But there are other teams that actually have players that are in the portal and are playing for their team. But it's very tough on the coaches just not knowing who's available and and who's not available in a, a situation like Harrison. Yeah, they said that in the portion of practice of the media watch, he didn't even have a helmet um, so they're <laughs> well. You'll need one to play. And, again, and he wasn't like they did at the interview session with like their top players. He wasn't in that. So you know, every indication is he's not going to play. So I guess he's just in there enjoying the week, um, taking full advantage of the bowl week opportunities, but um, not having to play, which is a great way to go. Like if you go do the whole bowl, do all the bowl, the fun stuff and get to participate in the bowl week activities, not have to practice really and not have to play at the game, that's a good way to go. And of course, for Marvin Harrison Jr., um, if I was him, I certainly would not be playing in that bowl game because he has way too much to lose for a meaningless bowl game. Mm-hmm. You need a tough, reliable tractor to tackle those tough chores. We're going to see the folks at Mid-South Ag Equipment. They could take care of you with the Case IH Farmall series of 
tractors and other equipment at Mid-South Ag Equipment. Great value, perfect for whatever it is you need to get done. They've got all of the Case IH equipment, plus they've got bush hog equipment and much, much more that you'll find at Mid-South Ag Equipment. They've got new equipment. They also have pre-owned equipment that you will find there. They can also service your current equipment for you at Mid-South Ag Equipment. Online at midsouthag.com, but better yet, go see them in person just south of Collierville on Goodman Road. Easy to find, easy to get to off of I-269, you take the Goodman Road exit, and they are just a half mile west. Easy to find the folks at Mid-South Ag Equipment. All right, we're coming back to wrap it all up. One final segment to go. This is Sports 56 Mornings and the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour here on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Welcome back to Sports 56 Mornings. This hour brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Now, more of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Inside College Football Hour. Here are your hosts, Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Harold Grader. A texture comes in with his top five favorite Pop-Tart flavors. Uh, he has brown sugar cinnamon at five. Tropical mango at four. We're, we're doing tropical mango Pop-Tarts. That sounds Ew. disgusting. Never heard of it. Frosted strawberry at three. Unfrosted blueberry at two. Have you lost your mind, whoever you are? And what's number one? Frosted chocolate fudge. I have I've have eaten a lot of the frosted yeah. chocolate fudge. I would probably put them number two behind frosted strawberry. Unfrosted anything, bad choice. You got to get the frosting on there. They're just too dry without the frosting on there. That's true. I love brown sugar cinnamon. Why don't you like brown sugar cinnamon? Unfrosted blueberry? Come on. That is a bad ranking. Bad, bad ranking. Uh, JJ Texan says, Tommy West told me Randy White was the meanest SOB he ever lined up against on the field. I'm going to guess Randy White probably holds that spot for a few guys. Yes, there's no question about Randy, it. Randy White was a not a dude you wanted to mess with. So I, I would guess there are a few people out there in the world who would who could probably answer the meanest SOB they ever lined up against. Randy White would be their answer. Wasn't his nickname the Manimal? Yes. Yeah, half man, half animal. Rand, Randy White was a bad, bad dude. Uh, Keith is dialed in. Hey, Keith, how are you? Well, I got a comment on Randy White. My wife was a dreamboat. She got her picture taken <laughs> with with uh, the Minister of Defense. Oh. No, he was the baddest man there ever. Have you I seen? Mean, are you you're just the thirty for thirty? Yeah. <laughs> the thirty. I watched the thirty for thirty. The Minister of Defense the other night. That's it's it's really good. You're talking about Reggie White as opposed to Randy. White. Reggie yeah. White. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you said Randy White. Yeah, some guy the other day on ESPN said he's the greatest player I've ever. It was played. a great thirty for thirty, and you know what? Both Reggie White and Randy White, they're two of the greatest defensive players ever. What's on your mind, Keith? Yeah. All right, so SMU, and they're coming up here. SMU, um, I don't think Boston College stands a chance, to be honest with you. SMU has one of the best defenses, I mean offenses, I believe I've seen. Now, I'm worried about the Tigers because of defense. You know why. I mean, we have a great offense, but, but, but you know, 
The defense is not great, and Tulane really disappointed me last night against Virginia Tech. I thought Tulane had a shot. Well, they lost their coach, they lost their quarterback, so I thought they were already behind the eight ball. But I, I think you're right about both uh, SMU. I think they'll win today, and I think it will be tough for Memphis tomorrow, but they'll give it a shot. Keith, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the call. Randy White was the manster. Oh, half he was, man, half monster. Okay, that's right. Who was the manimal? The one was half man, half monster. And one was half man, half animal. One was half man, half monster. That was Randy White. And he brought up Reggie White, the Minister of Defense. That 30 for 30 is absolutely spectacular. All right, so the game day timeline for tomorrow. Parking lots will open up at 8 a.m. 11 a.m. is the pregame buffet in the Creative Arts Building. You must purchase in advance. That's always fantastic. You want to fill yourself up, boom, right there. Tiger Walk will happen at noon. And again, I don't believe that has anything to do with Tiger Lane. It's going to be... I think through the Silver Lot, if I'm not mistaken. Again, it's not a Tigers home game. State, Coming around to the South Tunnel. To, to around to the South Tunnel. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. 12.30, stadium gates will open. 1.15 is the pep rally inside the Creative Arts Building. 1.30 is the pep rally by the Fountain. So a couple of pep rallies. And then 2.30 is the kickoff. I believe they get the Tiger Walk will start over there by the Coliseum. They'll come up that roadway there by the Silver Lot, in that gate, and then go right over and into the South Tunnel. I believe that's the, the path for the Tiger Walk for tomorrow. This hour of our program is brought to you by Acura of Memphis, so located on Ridgeway at 385 and online at acuraofmemphis.com. Good, great time to buy a vehicle the end of the year. You've got a few days to get over there and see the folks at Acura Memphis. They'll make you a great deal. One of those new Acura automobiles, maybe a pre-owned vehicle, even a certified pre-owned Acura. Just talk to the great folks at Acura Memphis. Of course, with the Acura name, you know you're getting a great vehicle and, of course, great people to deal with as well. So get yourself a good deal before the end of 2023 at Acura of Memphis. Again, it's the Grizzlies and the Nuggets tonight in Denver. Grizzly won four straight since the return of John Morant, although John Morant is, is it questionable, Eli? Questionable. Questionable for tonight's game with a possible illness. Hopefully he'll be able to go. We want to thank David Johnson and Phil Stukenborg for joining us on the program today. We are back tomorrow, game day, for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. We'll talk a lot about that. John Varlis will join us. We'll have the Tiger basketball report with Matt Dillon. Tigers back on the hardwood Saturday as they play host to Austin P. Brandon Lang will handicap some of the bowl games in the NFL weekend. And then Sean Merriman, former NFL star, will join us as well. That's all coming up tomorrow, starting bright and early at 7 a.m. Waldo and Friends on Sports 56 is next. For Eli Savoy and Zach Boyd, I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great day, everybody.